0: You are listening to the Central Sanford Podcast. To learn more about Central Sanford, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Today's talk comes from Pastor Alan Brumbach your copy of God's Word and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12. And so glad to see you this morning. Those of you that are joining us online, welcome. Thank you for being with us today. And it is a day of, uh, I feel like, uh, of a new beginning as uh, we're going through now beginning phase number two. And we're still trying to figure out... Just what God wants to teach us and what God wants to do in our lives. But here's what I do know. He wants us to live a life of faith. So over these next seven weeks, we're going to be going through a series of messages in the life of Abraham. And this morning, we're going to begin with probably one of the most pivotal verses in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12. So Genesis chapter 12 is where we're going to be. And we're going to begin in verse number one. Would you stand as we read God's word to get your aerobics in this morning? And it's so good to see you. You know, here at Central, one out of every three people is good looking. Did you know that? So look to your left and look to your right, and if it's not them, it must be you. All right. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. I'll be here all day. The Bible says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. You may be seated. How many of you guys really love spam calls? Uh, Listen, if you do, then you are either crazy or a masochist. You are someone that we need to talk uh, with after service. Nobody really likes uh, spam calls, but I feel like that they have just kind of multiplied more and more, especially as election time has kind of come to pass. Uh, Now they're not even giving you spam calls. They're sending you spam text messages. You know, one of the things that I've learned, if this is a trick, and this is a serious trick. If you don't want spam calls anymore, don't answer them. Because if you ever answer them, you are on their list and you are now dinged as someone who is going to answer a spam call. You know, the other day, there was a spam call that came on my wife's phone. We were there in the living room, and, and, uh, and we were sitting there, and, and there was a call that came in, and it buzzed and, and rang, and, and we didn't answer it. And uh, Aaron, uh, well, I wasn't going to name the name of the kid, but I guess I'll go ahead and let it out. Uh, one, of the, the, one of the kids, uh, not to be named, uh, he's actually in a small group right now, but uh, he saw that on the caller ID, it said President Donald J. Trump. And he looks at me with just shock. And he said, Dad, the president of the United States just called mom. Why didn't you answer that that call? And I looked at him and I said, Son, that wasn't the president. That was a fake call. That was a spam call. That was just somebody trying to get me to donate money. And so then what I did is I took him and I showed him my phone and I said, look, look at my block caller list. And here's, I've got it right here. Here it is. Now you'll notice here that I've gotten calls from very famous people. The president, vice president, Joseph Biden. And listen, if any of your numbers are on there, stop calling me, okay? Stop calling me. Now, today we're going to not talk about a spam call. We're going to talk about the call of God. Here in the book of Genesis, we are looking at the book of beginnings. And chapters 1 through 11 begin with the creation, that God on a platform of nothing stood before, uh, the, the, stood on that platform of nothing and created everything. And it begins in creation, but then creation soon turns to crisis. But then that crisis, out of that crisis came a call. Uh, and God was working out a plan, even in the very beginning, to bring salvation to the world. And we ultimately know that it would be through that man of Abraham. And so this morning, as we just read that precious and amazing promise that God gives to Abraham, he, he calls Abraham out and he calls him to a, a life of faith. But everything before Genesis chapter 12, it was just a setup for the promise that God is giving to Abraham. And everything then after Genesis 12 is God fulfilling that promise. See, Here's what I want you to hear. What made Abraham great was not that he was great. What made Abraham great was the call of God in his life. It was a call of faith. What makes you distinctive is not that you're great. What makes you distinctive is God's call of faith in your life. God has called you to a life of faith. And so this morning as we begin this series, we're going to see th- three themes in Abraham's life. And three, these three themes are going to be seen all throughout these sermons that we look at. And, and here's what the call of faith is. Here's what, here's what I want you to learn from the message this morning. And that is this. Is that faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown. To believe that God can do the impossible and to take our hands off our lives and be a blessing to others. So let's look at those three things. Number one, faith calls us to leave the known for the unknown. Now there is a context in which God gives this call to Abraham, and that context is found in chapter 11. What we know is that the days of Abram, the days of Abraham, were days of great spiritual darkness. In chapter 11, there is a single family. From the line of Seth, through the, 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 through the lineage of Noah and Noah's son Shem, there is a man by the name of Terah, and he had a son named Abram. This was that line, that godly line, that that remnant line, but yet within that remnant line, the people of God, that that one last hope for humanity. And a man named Terah was a man who he and his family worshiped and served other gods. As a matter of fact, the name Terah means the moon. And so they living they were living in the Ur the Chaldees in the Chaldean area and especially Ur was the was known for the center of moon worshiping in that day and so the Bible says in Joshua 24 verse 2 that Terah and his family served other gods here all the world was serving and worshiping other gods and goddesses and even here this spiritual line this one line this line of of Noah and and Shem and Terah is now a man named Abraham. And not only was it days of spiritual darkness, but it was also days of personal hopelessness. In chapter 11, verse 30, the Bible tells us that Abraham, who was the firstborn of Terah, that he and his wife Sarai were childless. It says, the Bible teaches us that Abraham was 75 years old and his wife Sarah was 65 years old. Now, the name Abram means father. That was the name that his father gave him. Later on God is going to change Abram's name to Abraham, which means the father of many. So his name he was first given the name Daddy and then God gave him the name Big Daddy, okay? <laughs> Now, it seems like that life has now played a very cruel joke on Abram because his name was his destiny, and as he was getting older, as time was going on, it seemed that his hopes and dreams of his life to meet the destiny that God, he felt, had called him to was now mocking him, and there seems to be, in Abram's life, no foreseeable future. So, the call that came to Abram was a day of spiritual darkness and personal hopelessness, but yet, what sprang out of that is in verse number one, the Bible says, now the Lord said to Abram, here's what I want you to understand. God is the one who made the first move. God is the one who initiated the relationship with Abram. Abram was not seeking God, but God was seeking Abram out. And see, the only thing that changes darkness and hopelessness in your life is not that you seek God out, but it is that God seeks you out and he calls you to himself. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, The call of God is absolutely necessary and it is gracious. Abram came from the best family in all the earth, but yet without the call of God, he was spiritually dead. Without the call of God, he was barren and he was hopeless. Well, the question now is what is the call? The call is simple. It's it's in which God says this, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now think about this. God calls a man who barely knows who he is, who is old and childless, to leave everything that he's ever known to follow him to a place he's never been before. As that great theological movie Frozen 2 begins, God calls him into the unknown. And that's what we see here. He calls him into the unknown the call here literally the words in the hebrew to go from can be translated get out get out or literally go yourself out or get out yourself why would god say get out because in chapter 11 verse 31 the bible tells us that in it was abram and his father Te- terah who stopped in Haran. Now you say, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what we know, the Bible teaches us that, that this call in chapter 12 wasn't the first time that God had spoken to Abram. In Acts chapter seven, verse two, the Bible says that Abram was called by God initially in Ur and that it was from Ur that they left, he and his father and his brothers and his nephew Lot and they made their way to Canaan land. But the Bible says that they stopped in the place of Haran. They stopped halfway They stopped on their way to obedience, and they decided not to go any further. Now, perhaps this is as far as their father, and this is as far as their brothers wanted to go. We do know that Terah dies in the city of Haran. But yet, what we see also, I think in a greater way, is that it was their lack of faith, his father's lack of faith and his brother's lack of faith, or their lack of desire, that kept Abraham from going where God called him to be. But yet his father is now dead, and he, now Abram, being the patriarch of the family, it is now for him and his life to make that step up and step out to the call of God, to have a faith and relationship with God that was his own, that was personal and was real. But yet, he, dis- he thought that halfway obedience was obedience. But let me just let you in un- on this. Half obedience is not obedience at all. See, God's call for Abraham was to forsake all and follow him. God's call of faith is always that call. See, the rest of Abraham's life, the rest of his story is how he detangled himself from his country and his kindred and his father's house. The rest of Abraham's life is a story of how he had to deny himself and go where God called him to go. That he had to exchange the comfortable for the uncomfortable. God says to Abram, go. Abram says, where, Lord? And God says, I will show you later. John Calvin, in his commentary on Genesis chapter 12, the book of Genesis, summarized the call of God this way. Just close your eyes and take my hand. God told Abraham to get out. But he was not going to tell Abraham where he was going. Just close your eyes and take my hand. You know, most people are unwilling to do that. Most people, uh, maybe like myself, you are a, a control freak or you're a planner, and we want to know exactly where God is going to take us before we go. Uh, my kids will, from time to time, uh, be sitting there, and, and I, I need to go somewhere. And I think, you know what, it would be great to spend some, some daddy time with my kids. And so I'll look at them and I'll say, hey, you guys want to go with daddy somewhere? And you would think they would say, yeah, daddy, let's go. But you know what they say? Where? It's not, oh, daddy, I'm so glad. I've been waiting all day just to be in your presence and to hang out with you. I'll go wherever you want to go. No, they want to know where. And so then I'll tell them, we're going to go to the store. And they say, which store? If it's Walmart, if it's Publix, they don't want to go. If it's Target, or if it's the dollar store, or if it's five and below, they want to go. The reason that, why they ask where is because they want to know, is it somewhere I want to go? Will this have the maximum benefit in my life? And if it will not bring joy to me, I don't want to go. Now, none of y'all have ever been like that, right? Right? See, here's what I know about myself is that most of us want a play-by-play, step-by-step directions on how our life is going to go. And if that play-by-play is acceptable to us, then we might think about forsaking all and following Jesus. But God tells Abraham that he needed to leave his family and his land. This was his cultural identity to walk away from everything that was important in his life. And he did not give Abraham any kind of outline on what would happen next. See, let me just, I want you to be in on something of what it means to be a Christian. You may not know where or when or why or how it may cost you, but that's what Christianity is. It's following God into the unknown. It takes no faith to believe in a God who gives you step-by-step directions on how your life is going to go. But it takes real faith in a holy God to trust in the God you cannot see and to follow him places you do not know. Here's what I know about being a Christian. You cannot remain the same and you cannot stay where you are. God calls us to go. And so the call of faith is first a call from the known to the unknown. But secondly, the call of faith calls us to believe that God can do the impossible. Verses 2 and 3, God makes precious promises. This is the Abrahamic covenant. We'll look more at this in chapter 15 as we get there. But this covenant is essentially what the theologians would say, a unilateral covenant in which God says, I will, I will, I will, I will. I will do more in you and through you than you could ever imagine. I will do the impossible and I will do it all. All you have to do is just to trust and obey and watch me. Watch what I want to do in your life. Watch what I can do in your life. Watch what I can do in your family. God says, you have absolutely no idea what I can do in and through and for you. His first promise, is he says to Abram, is he says, I will make you a great nation. Now, for Abraham, who who is 75 years old, and his wife Sarah next to him at 65, who is barren, and they were both older, it seemed to be impossible. You can't have a nation without a baby. And you can't have a baby if you're barren. And you, it's really hard to have a baby if you're old and barren. But nothing is impossible with God. God says, I'm going to do what seems to be humanly impossible. Some of you that are 75 and 65, could you imagine that you're going to be parents for the first time? You both get your AARP card and you register at Target. The good news is you get a discount on diapers. See, faith calls us to believe in the unbelievable and the unexplainable. But he says, Not only will I make you a great nation, which we're gonna look more and flesh that out more, but he says, I'm gonna make your name great. Abraham was a nothing nobody who worshipped the moon as a nomad and err. God is gonna make him the father of men. He's gonna make him a big daddy. And he's going to be known by the entire world for eternity. Did you know that three major faiths in the world, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, half of the world's population look to Abraham as the father of their faith. Now, why is it important here? Why, why does it make sense that God says, I'm going to make your name great? Well, because there's context. If you begin chapter 11, there's going to be the story that maybe you heard as a kid called the story of the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, the people at that time, which all spoke the same language, they decided that they were going to create a huge tower to reach all the way up into heaven. And they, in that tower, wanted to make a name for themselves and build a tower to their own glory. But yet this tower was a tower of disappointment. It was an act of disobedience. It was a declaration of independence before God. And God destroyed their tower. And what happened, the result is he scattered the people. And and what we see from this story is that they tried to make a name for themselves, but they left broken. And so when God says, I'm going to make your name great, here's what he's saying. He says, I'm going to do what the people who built the tower of Babel couldn't do. They tried to build a name for themselves and failed, but I'm going to make your name great and I'm going to succeed. See, so many of us build towers to our own glory. So many of us build towers for our own security. We want to make a name for ourselves. These towers may be the towers of education or career or family or moral records or bank accounts or our service to others or what we own. But these things will never be enough. If you and I run to these towers in times of trouble, they will leave us just as broken as the Tower of Babel. See, the Tower of Babel was man's attempt to get back to God and to regain what he lost, but he failed. The Tower of Babel's religion is man's attempt through his goodness, his effort, and his power and ability to get back to God, but it never works. What we learn from the Tower of Babel is that if you try to make a name for yourself, you never will. But if God makes your name, it will last forever. But what he's calling Abraham to do is to trust that he can do the impossible. That he can make him a great nation. That he can make his name great. And that he will be a blessing. So that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. See, God makes his promise to Abram That everything that was lost in Adam is going to be restored through the promise given to Abram. We know that the ultimate blessing of Abraham is going to be Jesus Christ. See, the heart of the promises of God is Jesus. He, the reason that God called Abram and shaped Abraham's life was so that he would be a man of faith, that through him and his descendants that God would bless all the families of the earth. This blessing is not material possessions, but it is the ultimate and eternal redemption of the world. So what God here is saying to Abram is this. The impossible is not that two old people can have one baby. The impossible is that sinful people can be forgiven. See, faith calls us to believe that nothing is impossible to God, which means that God can save and forgive anyone who puts their faith and trust in Him. There is no sin too far gone. There is no person too far gone. There is no need too far great that God cannot solve. If God can save your soul from hell, He can save anything else. And for you and I to To follow God, we have to believe that he can save us and use us to live our lives on mission for him. That he who began a good work will complete it. All we have to do is just trust him and follow the call. The third point is this. Faith calls us to leave the known from the unknown. Faith calls us to believe that God can do the impossible. And faith calls us to take our hands off our lives and be a blessing to others. The Bible says in verse number four that Abram went As the Lord had told him, he went. What was required for Abraham to receive the promise? What was required for Abraham to become this blessing to all the families of the earth? He had to answer the call. He had to leave all that he knew to obtain the call. He had to take his hands off of his life and everything that he owned and everything that he loved in order to be used by God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says this, that by faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out of a place to receive an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. See, Abram didn't just think, well, that's a good call, or I agree with that call. He didn't say, man, that, that was an amazing call, God. No, what did he do? He obeyed the call. You know, a lot of people are excited about what God is doing. A lot of people even believe in what God is doing, but they're not involved in what God is doing. It is so easy for us in worship to raise our hands and praise. It is so easy for us to, to be religious. It's so easy for us to just be casual observers, but never really experience the grace of God in our lives. And maybe some of you, that's just where you are. You're just a pew warmer, but you're not really in the game. Maybe you think, well, you know, my, my position at the church is just to be a, a, a tackle guard. That's what I played in football. You heard this, right? I guarded the water bottle and tackled anybody who came near it. And maybe you're a tackle guard. You, you guard traditions and traditionalism and you tackle anyone who touches it rather than getting in the game that God's called you to. Listen, my friends, you are not a Christian until you have obeyed the call of faith of God in your life, surrendered to Him, and have obeyed what He's called you to do. You know, I do quite a bit of marriage counseling, especially uh, premarital counseling, and, and then postmarital counseling on the other side of that. But then people that are in the very throes of, of, of marriage, I seem that, that some of the, especially the, the newlyweds, the, the, the newly newlyweds, One of the things that I've observed is that many of them want to add marriage to their life. They want to continue to live the life they used to live, do the things they used to do, spend time with the people they used to spend time with, and have a nice marriage added on. (laughs) But guess what? That doesn't work. You don't live your life and add a little marriage into it. You live the married life. Amen? The same is true with Christianity. You don't just live your life and add a little Jesus into it. You live the Christian life, and it's a completely new life. See, once we trust and once we obey, once you give your life to Christ, you surrender to the call and you follow the Lord, you're blessed. We're blessed. How many of you have been have been blessed by God? How many of you have answered the call of faith? Well, if so, you've been blessed. Now, the blessing I'm talking about is not health and wealth and prosperity. Those are great things, but those aren't God things. God's blessings are greater than those things. If you are saved, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're changed, you're a new person, you're adopted. You have something that money cannot buy and death cannot take away. You are blessed. If you're blessed this morning, say amen. Amen. And if you are blessed this morning, God has called you to be a blessing to other people. See, God did not bless Abraham so that the blessing would stop with him. God blessed Abraham so that it would come down to us today. Do you realize that we are reaping the fruit of Abraham's blessing? If you are saved and you are adopted, if you are a child of God, you have received the blessing of Abraham. See, Abraham understood that the blessing was more than just for him, that his call was bigger than just to himself. So in verses 4 through 9, which we didn't have time to read, what we read here is that Abraham went, and the Bible says that he took his wife, and his nephew, and all the people that were with him to the promised land. And what did Abraham do as soon as he got into the land? He built altars to the Lord. He built a place of worship. He built these altars in Canaan land. And essentially what he was doing is he was planting the flag of faith in the promised land so that others would see and know the Lord. See, the blessings of faith not only affect you, but the blessings of faith affect others around you and people you may never, ever meet. The reason that you are in the pew that you are today is because you were blessed by somebody else, and the reason that they were blessed is someone blessed them, and the reason that they were blessed is because someone blessed them. See, being a Christian means that you do not make decisions based on solely what you want or solely what is good for you. But being a Christian means that you see a bigger picture, a greater reality, and a brighter future than just what you and I experience now. It's not living our best life now. It's not about my comfort, my security, or my status, or my pleasure. But it's living a life that blesses others as God has blessed you. See, it's, being a Christian is being in a position where God can use you to be a blessing. But being a Christian is not asking, God, where can I be the most blessed? But say, God, where can I be the biggest blessing. And if you want to be a blessing, you have to get out. You have to get out of your Christian bubble. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to get out of your security blanket. And you have to get out to bless others. See, if you just want to stay in your little safety zone and and, and enjoy your tiny little comfortable life, then you're not going to be much use to anyone. But you've got to get out. You have to trust God. You have to let Him make your name great. And see him do the impossible. How can I do that? How can I make this real? I mean, don't you want to live a life of faith? I do. You can only live a life of faith by responding to the call of God in your life. During the early days of the telegraph, Western Union, not just known for sending money, they were known for the telegraph. They were putting up lines all around the country. And it was critical because this was the early days as the Western frontier was continually pushing all the way to reach the manifest destiny that the people thought of as it made its way all the way to the West Coast. As they were putting up lines, there were different stations in which Western Union desperately needed men who understood Morse code. They needed people that would come in and and be able to interpret and then also send responses. So in in San Francisco, Western Union put up a huge sign outside of their office saying that we're hiring. Applicants came literally from all around the area. As they went into the Western Union office, they were met with a sign that simply said, Pick up an application, fill it out, be seated, and wait to be called. There was a young man. That came into the Western Union office desperately needing a job. And he he knew Morris Code. He understood Morris code. He saw the sign at the door. He saw the multitudes of people. He stood there as he was in line waiting to get this application. As others were right there. There were people talking. There were a bunch of noises. But instead of taking the application, the young man walked back to the manager's office door, opened the door, and went in. Could you imagine the scene? All those men that were sitting there waiting for their term were absolutely upset. It would be like walking back in the DMV and going in and getting your driver's license. <laughs> a few minutes later, the manager walks out with the man. Says, everyone go home. We don't need to hire anyone else. We have all that we need. Could you imagine? Everyone is enraged. They say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't this guy just walk back there he didn't wait his turn he just walked back there why did he just walk back there and here's what the manager said he said if you had been listening through this whole office area there was this tapping and it was Morris code and that message in Morris code was this forget the message at the door walk on through And the job is yours. Right now, God is calling you to himself. He is calling you to live a life of faith. To leave the known for the unknown. To trust him to do the impossible. To take your hands off of your life and to use you to bless others. But all you need to do is disregard all the noise around you. Disregard the noise of our culture. Disregard the noise of politics. Disregard all the noise of your flesh and the world and respond to the call of God in your life. Because right now in this room, God is calling people. Maybe for some of you it's a call to salvation that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's that initial call that he calls you to forsake all and follow him. For some of you, maybe it's a call to baptism that you have followed him and trusting him, but you've never publicly identified with him through baptism. And here's some great news. At the end of the month, we're going to have a huge baptism celebration outside, and we would love for you to take that next step. Maybe he's calling you to serve. Maybe it's to give your life, to not just live for your life, not just to be a pew warmer, but to be in the game. Maybe he's calling you to missions. Maybe he's calling you to surrender your life and say, God, wherever you lead me, I will go. But He might be calling you today. And if He is calling you today, you need to answer the call. You need to answer the call. Whatever that next step of faith is, answer the call. Dr. Tony Evans said this. He said, God is always doing two things at one time related to your life. He's preparing the promise for you. And He's preparing you for the promise. God's doing those things in your life. He's preparing the promise for you and He's prepared you for the promise. All you have to say is, Jesus, I'm ready. Here I go. I'm going to trust you into the unknown. If you're here online and you're watching and you're saying, "I, I don't know what this call is. Well, maybe this simple call, that beating in your chest, that tapping in your heart, is God saying, follow me. Surrender your life to me. And I'll bless you And I'll make you a blessing. So today, would you respond to the call? Everyone in this room is getting a call. Not a spam call, but a call from God. To go where he's called you to go. To live by faith and not by sight. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the gospel. I thank you for the empty tomb. I thank you for the fact that my sins, which are many, have all been washed away. I thank you that, God, when I was eight years old, you called me out of darkness into marvelous light. I thank you at the young, old age of 15, you called me to give my life full-time, vocationally, to serve you. I thank you that over 10 years ago, you called me and my family to serve and plan our lives here at Sanford, at Central. And, God, I pray that whoever you're calling today, whatever that call is, that people would respond, that they would not let the clutter of the culture and their life keep them from hearing what you've called them to do. So Lord, help them to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Sanford podcast. For more information or how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.